I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Blog podcast. Happy Wednesday. Would it be Wednesday? Happy Wednesday. I've lost track of days, guys. It's this lockdown life. Bear with me. I'm joined by Mr. Brendan Nunes, Mr. Rob Blanchett. How are you guys doing today? Good, thank you very much, mate. I'm doing good. You guys living? You enjoying the, uh, the the victory life? It's nice to win games, isn't it? It definitely is. It'd be nice to get a fully healthy roster for a couple games, but wins are wins no matter. I always think the wins mean more when it's not a fully healthy roster, though. There is there is progress, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it yes, yes. I'm not complaining at all. Are you sure? I'm not. Okay. No, no, no. I just think that uh, yeah, they, there's definitely going to be some learning, you know, to Tatum, Brown, and Kemba being the the three guys taking all the shots, and they do a good good job distributing it between just Tatum and Brown. I mean, I'm the king of complaints, so uh, you know we can all blame me if anything goes too bad. I'm always complaining. Brendan gets the majority of my complaints, though. How you? Well, with no with no Pritchard, I guess I can uh, I get saved for no. A you were still wrong, which Pritchard. is far from a good thing. Far from a good thing. Yeah. I mean, all that happens that now is Carson Edwards takes those minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had eighteen, and then he had what was it five? So it's a very inconsistent six. It's yeah. very inconsistent scoring outburst. How do you feel about Carson, Rob? I have what I would say is I have no feelings about Carson Edwards. <laughs> I mean that's the best way to put it. Um, I'm okay with him getting minutes in rotation in these kind of games when there's a little bit of time and space. But you know we know he isn't really any kind of future option as it stands to to take the team forward. So uh, I'm okay with him. But you know when he comes on the court, I don't exactly get excited. So I was uh, I was huge on Carson Edwards coming into last season. Brendan liked to remind me of that majority through the end of last season. That's because you watched is... preseason. Yeah, and I watched and uh, I, yeah. I read up a bunch on his uh, his March Madness. So look, I want him to do well. Uh, I tweeted this out yesterday, so Monday, even if it's just so that he rebuilds some trade value, so you know you can flip him and it's not a negative asset in return. That's that's fantastic. If you use him as a, as a filler in a trade and a team are happy with that, then great. You, he's done what he needed to do and rebuilt a little bit of trade value. Which brings us on to the meat and potatoes of the podcast, right? I mean, that's what we're here to discuss today. Shams from The Athletic dropped an article and a tweet, kind of like a, like a Shams bomb. We'll go with Shams bomb. Uh, centered around the Pelicans, that the Pelicans are looking to shop uh, specifically Lonzo Ball, JJ Redick, as they believe that um, Nicola, N-A-W, I can never pronounce his name without stumbling, and my boy Kyra Lewis Jr. at the backcourt of the future, yeah, uh, creases me that he hasn't played much at the moment. So because of that, obviously Celtics Twitter's kind of hit, gone into hyperdrives. You know, there's a TP that they can use. There's some dead wood at the end of that rotation. Guys, which one of these two would you prefer? If you could have a choice between Redick and Lonzo, who's your choice? That's a really difficult question because obviously, looking at the two players, there there's this kind of uh, dream scenario, isn't there? Where you kind of look at Lonzo and you say, this is what might have happened before when he ended up in the Lakers and this is how it went. And obviously we got 
Tatum. And now could we just have this miracle where we could bring him to Boston? Uh, I think when you really look at it and you actually look at the, the trading parts and the machine and all of this, can can you make that trade work? From what I can see at the moment, the answer is no. I know fans are dreaming of it. Um, would he be useful at the Celtics? Yes, but you would have to move a lot of that roster around to to find a home for him. Yeah, I mean, if we were just talking, because because I'm with Rob, it's it's very difficult to make it happen with you know Lonzo being at 11 million right now, um, Reddick being at 13, and in Boston not exactly having easy matchable salary um, that personally I'd be willing to ship out. Um, but if we're putting that aside, just which player I would prefer, it's pretty easily Lonzo. Um, I think JJ's at the tail end of his career, um, and it is quickly declining and in, in just a horrible negative on defense as he has been for a while. And sure, the, the shooting would be valuable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely put more stock in Lonzo. I think that he kind of can fill a little bit of like this wing role that you're kind of missing. So I mean, it kind of is about like, are you willing to use part of the TPE, right? I mean, that's the idea, right? That you'd be absorbing some of that contract into the TPE, or you—if you—that's dependent on if you can't find matchable salary. I mean, I know you said you'd spoke to somebody earlier today, Brendan. What did they tell you before we start going into ideas? Yeah, I was just wondering what would be, you know, interesting for them to take back. And my question was like, what? the ideal player prototype and this is Shamit do on twitter I'll give him a shout out it's at fear the brown um and, and he just said ideally not a guard or center i mean the whole reporting like you're saying is getting rid of these two guys potentially shopping them to clear space for Nikhil alexander walker and kyra lewis um so why would they take back another you know pure point guard pretty much or or a limited guard um yeah, he said not ideally a guard or a center because obviously um, Jackson Hayes, um, you're looking at um, Zion, you want to get run at the five, and who am I missing? Steven Adams. Um, so I said, is young talent fine? Like, is Langford intriguing? He said, yeah, that works, but he'd prefer Grant, which was interesting to me. Um, and Grant's had a little bit of a down year. Um, but yeah, like, so preferably a wing of some sort. Um, and you know, I actually don't know that Grant quite fits into that, interestingly, which we've seen Grant struggles a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, like those are kind of the intriguing pieces that Boston's working with, right? Is something like a Romeo, a, a Grant, um, or I, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't think you move on from Neesmith for one of these guys or or Pritchard. Um, yeah, they, they kind of have a log, like they probably have just a what probably is a better Robert Williams and Jackson Hayes, or at least comparable enough that it wouldn't make much sense for them to take on another. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting on on what would go back, but to me, it would have to be one of like Romeo or Grant is something that it revolves around. By Grant, it was um, <laughs> it was nice knowing you did. No, seriously, if I had to choose between Romeo and Grant, then I think that Romeo's got the higher ceiling. Also, got the lower floor due to injuries, but. When you're in the Celtics position and your future's already kind of sustained in Brown and Tatum, then you swing at the higher ceiling guys more than the higher floor guys. I think that Grant's been great last year, but I do think that you're only going to see the best out of Grant when you're running him at the small ball five, and that's just not something that's optional for the Celtics this year with the other bigs that they need to give minutes to. Yeah, and I will say this is just one person's perspective. So, you know, maybe that's not what actually New Orleans is looking in return, but it's somebody that has a... uh, 
a, a decent grasp on on New Orleans compared but to us. I think as well we need to kind of look at the hypotheticals of the trade and and why it might happen and why it wouldn't happen. So I think there's two real important questions here before anyone talks about who's moving where or contract matching or any of that. First of all, we know that Lonzo Ball refused to try out for the Celtics. So that was something the Celtics were not very happy with. Some of the rhetoric that was put around from family and people close to the player was not very complimentary about the Celtics. Now, it doesn't mean that a deal can't be done now in the future, and here we are. But that's one kind of blot on the copybook. The second blot is that if you brought him to the Celtics and, say, made a trade, moved one or two pieces off the roster, is Lonzo Ball going to be happy with sitting on the bench? Does he want to be somewhere where he is a starter, where he is an important piece of the jigsaw? Now, of course, bench players are... are are important as well but we're talking about a player who already had a a high value in the marketplace before he'd even touched an NBA court because of the build-up to his potential career so he's had these stuttering points obviously from where he's been now but do those two two real markers are they big obstacles to getting him to the Celtics personally I think yes I'm not sure the you know the Celtics are a championship winning team and obviously you've got the you know the two Jays and that's something that might be he might be attracted to but is this guy really interested in coming to Boston does Danny Ainge look at him and say yep that's my guy that gets me over the top I'm not sure I think when you look at it you know it's it's kind of dream scenario as I said because of who he is and what he can do and his creativity it kind of would be a really good fit chem, you know with the chemistry but there's a huge but at the end of that sentence. And I think that that would be the thing that stops this kind of trade from going through. You see, I mean, I'd agree with the the salary type of thing. Like when he came into the league, he his value was incredibly high for a guy that hadn't played a game. I think he's kind of, that value has decreased over time with his lackluster performances, his unwillingness to drive the lane you, everyone talks about Ben Simmons being unwilling to shoot the three while Lanzo's unwilling to drive and he has the frame and length and size to be able to become quite a respectable finisher around the room so I don't think like going into a contract year at the end of this season I don't think anybody should be expecting ridiculous numbers to be thrown at him obviously there's always the opportunity because teams value young guys that they think they can develop if we're being conservative here, I'm looking at Marcus Smart type money over a short two, three years. Prove yourself to us and then we'll talk about big money at the end of that. That seems like a, a fairly reasonable assessment for what Lonzo Ball's realistic value is. And then the other question is, do you think he complements Jason and Jalen better than what Kemba does? If you do, if you think that what he is now complements them and then you trust Brad Stevens to work his sprinkle his magic point guard dust everywhere and turn Lonzo Ball into 10 times, five times the player he is now, then maybe that's worth pulling that trigger and then reassessing the canvas situation should you genuinely believe that Lonzo is that guy that will be the long-term Kemba Walker successor. Well, I want to ask you, Adam, weren't you like... If I remember correctly, you were really big on Lonzo as a fit next to Jalen Me Jason, personally, though. yeah. I mean, I'm not Danny Ainge. I just think that the the facilitating, the way he likes to throw those pitch passes up floor would be great for Jalen Brown. I also think he could unlock defenses for Tatum a little bit, especially for the playoffs more for me. When teams are honing in on guys 
Lonzo's the sort of guy that will hit you with a pass before you've even known where that pass is going to be. And it's that pass-first point guard mentality that I genuinely believe unlocks that next level for Tatum. They've, there's so many guys on this team that are learning to facilitate for others at the moment, are learning to create for themselves. But if they've got somebody to consistently tee them up, I think that helps everybody's development uh, individually and collectively, which is why I'm so high on Lonzo as a fit. Not so much as an individual, but as a fit. Yeah, I'm with you, Adam. I, mm. I totally agree with that. But I think because of the other things that come with Lonzo Ball and you know, looking at the last two or three years, I just do not see it happening. Just because of uh, that little bit of history that Celtics have with this player. So even though the contracts would match and there are ways of doing it, you know, if, if you were looking at Kemba, of course, as you know, as your guard, we know that that Lonzo is is a better fit in terms of creation for the two Jays. Uh, Long term, that would be a much more kind of stable fit for the team. But can you still get that creativity from another player who isn't Lonzo Ball? And I think I think that's probably where we stand with it because I just cannot see that. Lonzo Ball's going to end up in Boston after everything that was said. They they chucked some real shade at the at the Celtics during that uh, during uh, that time where he obviously ended up with uh, with the Lakers, and a lot was said. And I know that this stuff can be soon forgotten, especially when you're trying to win. But I just think with this one player, it's very very difficult to get him to Boston, and also just tick all the boxes that that make him happy. You know, like he would see obviously the Celtics being a, a better team than what he's playing on at the moment. But is, is he really going to be the star that he wants to be? Is he is he willing to be number three or four or five or further down or even wherever? You know, at least with Kemba, I think at the moment what we've seen, we've got the old Kemba Walker back if he stays fit. So. Is it a case of let's run it for a bit? Because I think that's where I am. I think I look at Kemba and, of course, he's not the ideal fit for the two Jays. But the Celtics have now got three elite scorers and scoring is important. So and when you look at our two rookies who are suddenly, you know, like we know Pritchard did well early and now Naismith looks like a player just suddenly. Something is there in his game. There's opportunities throughout the roster. So I'm not saying that any of those guys could do what Lonzo Ball does. But I just think that Danny Ainge would struggle to get him to Boston. Yeah, I think that, you know, there was definitely an idea that I think was kind of what had Adam on Kyra Lewis of, you know, Kemba is a short-term answer. And short-term meaning like three years. So I guess it's not extremely short-term. Um, but Jalen and Jason are going to be here long after that is is the idea at very least in the hope. Um and, you know, the, I think the idea of Kyra or whatever young point guard was, okay, by the end of that rookie contract, you're re-signing them when they're ready to start in place of Kemba. Um, but the issue with the Lonzo situation, as you're saying, Rob, is, you know, Lonzo would come up as a restricted free agent this offseason, likely sign a three or $4 million deal. And I agree his value is probably something around where Adam said, um, but restricted free agency, I mean, teams are constantly paying for what they believe he could eventually grow into, um, which could put Boston in a very tricky situation. Because um, I, I think there is situations where actually the closing lineup, if Lonzo were hypothetically on the team, could be Lonzo, Marcus, Jalen, Jason, and, and one of Thompson or Tice um, be, because of Kemba's defensive deficiencies. Um, but obviously, you know, I mean, there's nights Kemba's the best player out there. You want him in, in closing minutes more often than not, probably. Um, 
so I, I do think it's an intriguing fit, but for for the men for the reasons that, that both of you have kind of mentioned, you know, what it would cost to um well, first of all, you'd have to use up part of the TPE, which I don't think is quite the ideal use. Um, even though I do kind of view, view Lonzo as a wing more than a guard because he's got decent size to him. Um, I, I think that that wouldn't be the ideal use of the TPE and in this bench role may not be exactly what what he's looking for. And, and I'd worry what you end up paying him because whatever Boston uses this TPE on is like one of their few ways they're adding another high level talent to Jalen and Jason with their salary situation. So they need to be extremely um, patient and picky with what they use this on, which is why I think Adam kind of convinced me um, to that there's real possibility and potential and and you wait this out until the off season. That way you can use the entire, what is it? 26, 28 rather than the just under 28 rather than the just 20 under 20 you could use right now. Um, so I just don't know that Alonzo's the ideal use of that for the various reasons that you guys. Yeah, have I mean, there's ways to get creative to sign him just into cap space. You can waive a guy like Javante. That I'm pretty, sh- I'm quite very confident he's still non guaranteed, and then you can start packaging together a couple of guys. But again, you've got to entice New Orleans. They're not looking for draft picks at the moment. Their cupboard's already full. So what they're looking at is for guys to come in and play a role, fulfill their own needs, as well as opening up playing time for the guys that they believe that are going to be that backcourt of the future. And again, you are right. That was exactly why I believed Kyra Lewis was the best person to draft this year, just because of that long-term successor. I am high on Lanzo, but I do agree. I don't see him being an ideal fit now. I just think the timing's not right. In terms of all that, rhetoric he kind of had before being drafted by Boston well one you had LeVar Ball in his ear and LeVar's now dealing you know LeVar's annoying Michael Jordan somewhere so we can forget him now and then two Lonzo grew up in LA he's a Lakers fan he grew up a Lakers fan you don't ever want to go and play for the team that you grew up hating that's just not unless that team is the the Golden State Warriors during the Stephic you know the prime era Golden State then you just don't go there. And I understand that would be a factor as well, which leads us on to the other guy. How do you guys feel about ready? I'm not a, not the most interested. I mean, I just, it's not somebody that I would give up assets to bring in. Like I said, I, I believe uh, he's 13 million this year. Um, not somebody I'm interested in using any of the TPE in. no chance I'm sending matching salary and like Marcus or, you know, Tice Langford sort of thing. Like, I just don't think he's any anybody to to give up real assets for. I don't think he changes the outcome or real ceiling of the team this year, and he's expiring. And I would rather just not have him. I think you've got these two rookies. Play them. They can score the ball. They can score the three. Reddick can give you something, obviously, as a as a veteran. But as we said at the top of the show, um, he's at the end of his career. I don't see him helping the Celtics getting to a, a final or or to a championship as things stand. You don't think he could play that Kyle Corver role that he, that Corver did for Cleveland during their runs? I think he could, but I don't think again that that takes the Celtics exactly where they want to be. So, like we're talking here about the TPE and, and when do you use it? There, there's no doubt that strategically the best time to use it is later rather than sooner. 
But there's always that feeling that the Celtics, like the the defense wasn't quite there, wasn't it, until maybe the last couple of games. And, you know, do you bring in a defender? Do you bring in someone who can kind of compliment? You know, would Kemba be fit? How would he look when he actually got back out on the court? We're now starting to see some of the answers to those questions. And it just feels now that here we are maybe several games on. And, I, and I'm thinking, let it run. Let it run and see where we are. What, we were second in the East at the moment? Second or joint second or around that? Two seed? Things are not that bad. I think maybe a few weeks ago, we were looking at, at players and saying, right, who could you bring in? But I just think you just wait. Sometimes the best move is to make no move. Yeah, there's still not full health on the roster. Um, like I, like I kind of mentioned at the top, you know, I, I'm waiting to see all of Kemba, Jalen, and Jason playing together. And I, I mean, I think we've said a bunch of times, I think Romeo could be a really important piece to this team as well. We haven't seen him out there and, you know, bringing in one of, say, JJ, Lonzo, or, or really any guy that kind of fills that wing role could take away from Romeo's opportunity, which is, um, I mean, he's getting closer and closer to a restricted free agency mark as well. So you really need to see um, what what you have in him. So yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm definitely. With and I think the thing one. is as well with JJ, we talk about you know we had a discussion the other day and talked about how many shots do the Celtics take in a game, who takes those shots, which percentages do you give to so and so and so and so? You bring him in, then you're immediately taking shots away from players that you want to take them. And I'm just thinking. For See, I'm looking at, at it moment. as a no, thank you. veteran presence that's kind of like a mentor to, to Neesmith. I think that a guy like Reddit could come in for a short period, even if you re-signed him. Like, I, I kind of expect Reddit to sign somewhere for like a full MLA, a Tristan Thompson type deal over two years. That's to end his career out right? wherever his next move is. Unless he gets moved on against his own will, I feel like that's going to be where he ends up for the rest of his career. But I think there's value in bringing him in and allowing... Neesmith to work with him in the gym to watch how he conducts himself on the court how he gets to his spots how he looks to use screens to kind of score off movement and the little nuances that shooters need to learn to be really effective at this level and that's why I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in Reddick because I do think the team looks so much better when guys are hitting their threes I know that sounds stupid but I'm not talking about Jalen and Jason or Kemper I'm talking about when guys like Neesmith are hitting threes and when guys like Pritchard are stretching the floor with their three-point shooting the driving lanes are just so much easier to come by that adding JJ Redick onto the roster to one provide that spacing during again the playoffs once everything's more half-court orientated that does escalate their opportunities for success but it also allows them to develop Aaron Neesmith a little bit more out of the spotlight and with a guy that's playing in the exact same role that you're hoping Neesmith can develop into. But is that worth giving up assets for? Or do you just bring in I one mean, of you know, well, haven't your handful that for of Celtics else, legends maybe in the offseason to have Neesmith work are. with? Because there's been plenty of times where we've been screaming for KG to come through and teach these guys how to rebound or help work with Rob Williams for some post-play. This is true. I just assume that well, if but KG we don't know what offseason workouts go out behind the scenes, leave. you know. I think it would. And normally, I would agree with you with everything you just said there. I just think that my big question for any trade, bringing in any player, has to be, does it make you win more games? Does it make you more potent in the playoffs? I think Redick a couple of years ago, 100% kind of play he could have brought in the Celtics needed shooting he could have come in provided that 
But I want the minutes to be given to Naismith. You know, when we're looking at shooting, and as I'm saying, if you take, you know, dozens and dozens of shots a game, how do you actually say, right, Redick, you've come to the Celtics and you're going to get four shots a a night and you're going to get a few minutes. And by the way, can you go and train with Naismith in the gym? It it doesn't work for me. It, it it's good in a kind of scenario to to build confidence and to have veterans and and have that presence with the rookies. But I actually think the Celtics have got a good amount of experience on the team present at the moment just to go and do the help. It doesn't mean that they will be one for one in terms of their positioning. But I think this Celtics team is kind of even the young guys, even the Jays, have got deep playoff experience compared to some players, players who were much, much older than them. So I, I think that there is more of a collective going on here at the Celtics and the younger guys are kind of going to feed off the other guys who are still quite young, but not quite veterans. And that's a good thing because there's an effervescence there. I don't think Reddit comes in and so, kind of changes that culture or makes Naismith so much better in the sense that he actually might take some of Naismith's minutes away and I want to see him in NBA games. Yeah, if if Redick was such an impact player, New Orleans would not be moving on from him. Hundred percent. Like New Orleans is is trying to win basketball games right now as well. Like I, I get that they're not doing well at, at the current moment, but the West is is very tight. Um, you know, they're they're three games from the sixth seed, and they're a game and a half from the fifteenth seed. Um, so they're far from out of it. Um, but I, you know, the impression I get is that they're trying to win games. And if, if JJ was a guy that was, really yeah, I mean, I could always come back and say maybe right now, I don't think they'd be looking to move on from Reddick or what they envisioned Reddick to be isn't how he plays now. He's definitely lost a step. Definitely. That's why I'd see him in more of a Kyle Corver role, just because he doesn't have the mobility he once had. But I agree. I feel like Naismith is definitely the future of sharpshooters, especially for the Celtics. He's looked very good in terms of confidence firing away his defensive positioning has improved a bunch over the last few games i said it on the last podcast i'll say it again every time you see naismith he looks marginally improved and if you can get one percent better every day at the end of the year you're 365 percent better so if you want to roll with naismith i mean i tell myself that every day i can see brendan chuckling um if you, it's true man I t- i've got I, t- I tell myself every day but um, at the end of the day, if you want to run with Naismith, I completely understand. Maybe it's just that both of these guys, in Lonzo and JJ, they make some sense in a vacuum. But when you look at it as a grand depiction, neither of these two guys are realistically the type of player or the quality of player that Boston should be targeting to take that next step. And I think if Danny talked to Lonzo and Lonzo said, hey, Danny... I made a big mistake, you know, before I should have come and tried out for you. I really like the idea of coming to Boston. Let's talk. Then there's maybe a chance. But because the Lonzo Ball has this inflated reputation anyway, and that's something that's part of the sales technique in terms of taking him on and his contracts and going forward. You know, this is a guy who's got sponsorship deals that other players of his age didn't have when he was young then that's another thing to kind of answer. Uh, He can help the Celtics, but I think when you look at the potential of these two trades, the Celtics might have to give up something that they don't want to give up, or certainly a player that I wouldn't want to give up at the moment. I feel pretty good about the roster, even though it's thin. 
Yeah. Um, uh, again, I, I think that, you know, the, the argument that New Orleans has of wanting to, um, a, instead of JJ or Lonzo, play Nikhil Alexander or Kyra Lewis. I think you look at Boston and instead of those guys, I'd rather play Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. I think as well, Naismith, like, you know, you just said a, a, a minute or two ago, you know, his improvements game to game to game in the kind of limited minutes that he, he is kind of being given, I think they're spectacular. And I think, you know, he, the other night against, the Bulls, nine points only, yeah, but 60% shooting, defending, last gasp, kind of chasing back and getting tips. Just a complete change. It doesn't even look like the player we were seeing, you know, maybe 10 weeks ago who looked scared to be on an NBA court. You know, whatever the um, Brad has done with him behind the scenes, it's certainly working. And I like these things with young players and with rookies. Bring them on. Tell them what they yeah, need I mean, to do. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted that earlier with a, pic- with a video it. of that chase down block or tip to be technical. Um, it was a chase down tip. It's not being technical. It was a tip. But it's those sort of plays that you need as a rookie to earn minutes in a Brad Stevens system. Brad will always give minutes to guys he can trust defensively, knowing that the offense will figure itself out over time. He did it with, he tried it with Carson Edwards last year. Carson couldn't be trusted on either side of the floor. Carson didn't get minutes. He puts Romeo in. Romeo struggles offensively, but impresses massively defensively. Now does consistent minutes for you. Brad always trusts that defense before offense because offense will figure itself out. There'll be fast break opportunities. You might get hot from game to game and your confidence will grow. So I'm more than comfortable with keeping Aaron Neesmith. I'm more than comfortable with Peyton Pritchard. And I'm very, very happy with the way they've won their last two games, to be quite honest. Yeah, my my feeling on Neesmith uh, going into the draft was that he wasn't a great defender in the way that he's like cerebral or anything like that, or just has an amazing understanding of um, spacing and, you know, reads things to, to plays before they happen or two ball movements before. Um, but I, I felt like he did a good job of implementing what, system Vanderbilt was running on defense and I think that he can do that in Boston um, but there was just about learning the system and he's still in that process and this is obviously an unprecedented year for the amount of time that rookies had to get acclimated to their new scenarios Um, and and I think you just saw some guys get comfortable quicker than others and and I think we're just starting to see Neesmith get a little bit more comfortable um, and, and breaking out of that you know, kind of deer in headlights look that I think he had at the beginning and of the year. And that process as well, like when you think about it, it, even in normal times, it can take you a year to find your feet. It can take you that extended period to maybe start understanding things. But like I said before, I think uh, when you look at defense, it can be taught. And already in just a few weeks, we can see the things that he's learning, that they're, they're happening in real time. And it's a beautiful thing to see because we all know this boy can shoot. And as he gets more confident and finds more space and that his teammates get used to him, they're going to give him the ball and he's going to be shooting that three and we're all going to be laughing because he's the player, I think, that can give us that consistency from beyond the arc. But there's other players as well. The Celtics have actually got bona fide shooting this season and, and, an, and an attack and an offense that you don't have to worry too much about. You know, I think if they get their defense, uh, kind of the, the whole defense sorted in the next few weeks... The Celtics will just score. They've got three of the heaviest scorers in the game now. And that's a great thing to have, to be able to have these three players that can not only make their own shot... The only guy I'm concerned about now, and we'll wrap up on this because I know we've been going for a while now, 
The only guy I'm concerned about now is Grant Williams. I think that it's telling that we're only seeing him for spot minutes. And when he is playing, he's looking very frustrated. He doesn't look like himself very much. When he did get some short period of time at the small ball five, I think it was against Chicago, if I was right. It might have been... A, yeah, yeah. he got a few minutes at the small ball five. Instantly, he looked like the Grant Williams from last season. He looked much better, much more confident. I think there is... I don't know whether it's mental. I don't know whether he doesn't believe he should be playing the four. He just doesn't think that's his position. But there's something there where that playing the four at the moment just doesn't work for Grant. I think as the small ball five, he's fine. You know, I think against the Bulls, there was definitely a change in his demeanour, certainly towards the, the back end of the game as well. You know, he got 10 minutes overall, scored eight points, got four rebounds. You know, that's more what you want from him in limited minutes. Whereas the games before, he looked jaded, he looked kind of confused, he looked like he was lacking energy. But that was different against the Bulls. You know, I don't know what you two guys thought about that. Yeah, I, I think it was. And, and, you know, I think Grant is a very smart player in person, and, and that's very evident. And, you know, the beginning of his rookie season, you saw him struggle to figure out where he was going to be ideal in his role. Um, and, and that role has changed coming into this year. So, while while there's been a lot of struggles, I, I do feel like Grant is is one of the guys that um, I, I don't mind putting some trust in eventually figuring it out. You know, this is only his second year in the league um, and, and having an altered role, I think, is having an impact on him. And, and I agree with you. I think that he did look more comfortable in, in that Chicago game um, and probably just getting more used to um, what his new role is this season. And I think he's That's just going to continue much to up. figure Unless out has where he's going to be able on, to impact uh, I'll be happy to say goodbye till Friday. We good? Oh my God, I, uh, I'm telling yeah, you, I hope Carson dude. Edwards When he went up for Cleveland that dunk, absorbed the contact and still finished, I was like, yes! But um, see, that, that, mom- that moment yeah. where he absorbed the contact, that's that kind of glimmer where you think... Is there a player in there? Because he's got that upper body strength and, and it was effortless, wasn't it? You know, he got up there, he took the contact and it was all slow motion. You know, it reminded me of Jalen, <laughs> a young Jalen in that moment, obviously not for the rest of his game, but just in that moment where, where he absorbed the contact and I didn't mean, he's look got flustered hops, at all man. of it he can get and finished. Up. For a little he dude, a he night. can jump. He's like, you know, those little dogs that you see and they're like jumping the length of the door, man. He's like one of them. Um, do you know the ones I mean? <laughs> yeah and i'm glad he's getting some opportunity because i think guys that are are shooters um when you lose your confidence and the shot is kind of wavering um obviously that there goes a lot of your value so i think that he he's a guy and, and like shooters in general same with we're kind of seeing with neesmith where confidence is key and i think getting run and having promising moments could be And you think how early that Brad brought him in, in that game, I think that tells you something from behind the scenes. Brad's not going to let him go out there and play that early in the, in the, in the game to actually get those minutes. All right, guys, so you've him. been so listening to the Celtics pod as usual. Sure if you've enjoyed what you heard, then yeah, make really sure to fun. leave that five-star written review. Tell your friends about it. Tell your Celtics-loving family members about it. Your ex-girlfriend, if you're still speaking to her, tell her about it. If you didn't like... Why? It'd be funny. Don't um, hit up your ex-girlfriend. No, don't funny. hit up your ex-girlfriend. Don't Maybe. do that to people, Adam. Don't you no. hit up, no, Don't you hit her up. Nah, nah, forget her. No, maybe I just don't um, feel like I should hit her. If you didn't like it, Maybe I'm just projecting here. Don't yeah, leave no. a review at all. Because <laughs> if you don't have nothing nice to say, 
Don't say anything at all. <laughs> we'll find something better than that. <laughs>